It's four o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. You are listening to Calvary Live. This is the call-in radio show where you can call us with your questions about the Bible, your questions about Jesus, about God. Uh, Maybe you have a prayer request. Maybe you've got something going on in your life or in the life of a family member or a friend that you'd like to pray together through. Uh, We'd love to pray with you. You can call us to talk about uh, maybe if there's a cult that you're curious about or if there's a group that's been knocking on your door or been approaching you in the mall that you have some questions about. We'd love to chat with you today. You can call us at 303-690-3000. Once again, that phone number to call is 303-690-3000. Or you can text 720-336-0897. Once again, that number to text is 720-336-0897. I am Pastor Nate Morris from Calvary Chapel, Vale Valley, hosting the program today. And um, just thinking about our message from church this last week uh, at our church on Sunday, Um, we've been in the book of Philippians and we covered verses 9 through 11 this week and I just want to share it with you because I think it's it's super encouraging and important to remember uh, where it says in Philippians 2 verse 9 therefore God also has highly exalted him speaking of Jesus and giving him the name which is above every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so this is speaking of Jesus and really telling of the fact that Jesus is God, essentially, that he humbled himself to the point of obedience, even to the death of the cross, and then was exalted highly, given the name that is above every other name. And, you know, a person's name in the ancient Jewish culture was their authority. And so having your name be above every other name means there's no name that's higher than the name of Jesus. And Jesus is God. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And you know, it's interesting that that word that's used for Lord there in verse 11, it says every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The word is the Greek word kurios, which uh, is the word that the, the Greeks, when they were translating the Old Testament, that, that's the word that they used to translate Yahweh into Greek. And so what this is really getting at is it's saying that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Yahweh, is Lord, is God and Jesus is God. And really the question that we looked at with uh, this past Sunday at our church was, who do you say that Jesus is? Jesus asked his disciples that. Who do you say that I am? You know, everybody has an opinion on who Jesus is. And the question for you, my listeners today, is who do you say that Jesus is? And if he's just a great teacher, then what are we doing? But if he is who he said that he is, the Christ the Son of the living God, as Peter replied to that question, 
then that changes everything about our life. Everything we do is changed in light of that revelation. Everything that we believe is changed in light of that revelation. And if Jesus is Lord, and he is on our side, as it says in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? And then we have nothing to fear as believers. We have nothing to, to shrink back from. We can have confidence in our God, Jesus. So I hope that's a little bit of an encouragement for you today. Uh, once again, if you'd like to call us with a question, maybe you have a question about what that means that Jesus is Lord, or a question about the Trinity, uh, or a question about how um, Jesus could be God, and yet there's also God the Father, and how that works together. We'd love to talk with you about that, or any other question you may have. Once again, the phone number to call today is 303-690-3000. That number is 303-690-3000, or you can text 720-336-0897. Once again, you can text us at 720-336-0897. And I'm going to take a quick look at the text line and see what text messages we have here today. Um, here's one that says, uh, I need prayer from my wife. She has left the Lord. She was pastoring with me, but she quit. Please pray for God to clear her mind and show her the way. Me and my kids are worried. Thank you. God bless. Uh, let's definitely pray for this brother's wife uh, who's kind of walked away from serving the Lord and following the Lord and uh, is in a season where she's not doing that anymore. So let's let's bring that before the Lord. Lord, we pray. Um, we pray for this man's wife. Esther is her name. Pray that you would reveal yourself to her in power, Lord, that you would remind her of who you are, of how much you love her, of the relationship with you that is available to her through her faith in you, Lord, that she wouldn't walk to please, the, the, to gratify the pleasures of the flesh, Lord, but that she'd walk to please and honor you, knowing that you are God, that you created her because you love her and you want good things for her. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd remind her of that and restore her, her walk with you draw her back to you, Lord, uh, in, in your loving kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, once again, if you'd like to call us today, we've got two open lines. We've got one call on the line right now. Two open lines. You can call us at 303-690-3000. Right at the beginning of the show is the best time to call if you have a question because we, it usually takes a few minutes for our lines to fill up. So if you have something that's just been sitting in the back of your mind, right now is the time that you can get through. 303-690-3000. And I'd like to go to line one, Jay on line one. Jay, welcome to the program. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, um, so I was wondering, I just got married, like, last week, and uh, I was curious about it because I've heard pastors say that the relationship with God is like the sexual union between a husband and a wife, and, like, uh, I, I just, I don't, I mean, I get that, like, you're becoming the one and everything like that, but I don't really understand it any deeper than that. Yeah, okay. You know, um, personally, I wouldn't use the, the the understanding of the sexual relationship as an analogy for our relationship with God. I think it just confuses things for, for us. Um, but I think what, what people are getting at when they say that is that the marriage relationship can kind of illustrate the relationship that we have to 
to God as as the church, the bride of Christ, as we're called. Um, and so the, the church, you know, you and I, your church, every church that's a believing um, church is uh, united together as one. And we are what's called the bride of Christ. And so in a sense, we're spiritually married to Jesus, but there's not really a sexual element of that. Um, it's, it's a spiritual union and we're one with him in a sense, in the way that husband and wife become one. So Christ in the church, it's an illustration of that. Um, now, practically speaking, you know, uh, I think the reason that I wouldn't, you know, kind of try to confuse it with adding the sexual aspect there is it just doesn't really make any sense when we try to put that on it from the spiritual perspective. Um, but the oneness, the closeness is there is, is um, kind of mirrors that closeness that a husband and wife have, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's what I kind of figured. I was thinking that there probably wasn't much more to it than the closeness, just because, like you say, it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> so... Yeah, and I think I think the uh, the really like we see that in Ephesians chapter five, kind of that um, uh, that comparison is in Ephesians chapter five, and it, Paul says in that chapter he says it's a mystery. He says it's a mystery the the union that we have with Christ. It's it's something that we can't really fully understand, and so. Um, it's something that that mirrors the the relationship between husband and wife, but um, in a way that we don't really understand and won't until we get to be with him. We're one with Jesus. We're we're the body of Christ, um, kind of his flesh and blood, as it says, and yet um, and yet we're not fully yet. You know, so I, I think it's really like when he says that there in Ephesians five, it's really just to give us a picture. So that relationship that we have as husbands with our wives is, a, is kind of a mirror of the relationship of Jesus with the church. So. Right on, dude. Well, All thanks right. for that. Yeah. Um, thank you for your call. Can I ask for some prayer as well? Absolutely. Um, so ever since my wife and I got married, we've been under like extreme spiritual warfare, like at nighttime, like she's been having, severe like night terrors and stuff and has been like freaking out in her sleep and I've been having nightmares almost every night and it's just been like crazy and like the day we got back from our wedding like uh, there was just all kinds of drama going on that was not anything we had asked for it just kind of came upon us and was pretty distressing and so I just want prayer for strong Christ-centered marriage and things of that nature, I suppose, for the nightmares to go away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's definitely pray for that. Let's do that right now. Uh, Lord, I just lift up Jay and his wife to you, and I just pray that you would bring um, just a great sense of peace in their relationship, Lord, especially as they're going to bed, as they're sleeping, that they would just find rest in you, Lord. We pray against the, the spiritual warfare that is going on. Uh, I pray that you would help them just to be able to to equip themselves, Lord, to put on that that armor of God, the spiritual armor about that we that we read about, uh, and that they would take that that shield of faith and hold it up there, Lord. That they would put on the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness, and that they would um, be able to stand in the face of the attack that comes, Lord. And I pray for just 
great rest for them, that they'd be able to sleep really well. I pray for just a blessing over their relationship, Lord. I pray that you would remove uh, anywhere that the enemy wants to grab a foothold in their marriage, because we know that he does. Uh, we know that he, he loves to see marriages fall apart. And so we pray that you would just remove him from that, Lord, um, and that you would bless their relationship and just give them a, a great season going forward and bless their marriage. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, right on, man. Thanks. Yeah, thank you for your call, Jay. Have a great day. All right, you're listening to Calvary Live, the call-in radio show where we talk about your questions that you have about the Bible or about God or about the church. Uh, and also love to pray with you. So you can call us today at 303-690-3000. Once again, that phone number is 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. I'd like to go to Pam on line two. Pam, welcome to the program. Hello. How are you? I'm well. Good. What um, can we do for you today? I um, I just asked for prayer for our son. Um, he was arrested for murder, and um, he's eighteen years old, and. He has chosen to walk away from God, and we're just trying to get as many people as possible praying for him, for his protection, for his salvation, and um, uh, just that he would be forthright and the truth would come out. I'm so sorry to hear. Um, I'm so sorry to hear that. Would would love to pray for you for your son, and um, and I know that our listeners would. I would love to pray as well. And so let's let's do that. What was your son's name? Um, I'd rather not give it for his protection. Okay, that's fine. Thank All you. Right. Sure, let's pray. Lord, we just lift up Pam's son to you and the situation that he finds himself in, Lord. Um, whatever the truth is, you know it. And so, Lord, would you let the truth prevail in this situation? And I pray that through this, you would draw him to you, Lord, that rather than this pushing him away from you, that this would push him towards you, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to him powerfully in this situation. Show him how much you love him, whatever has gone on, whatever he is in the middle of, Lord, that you love him and that you died for him on that cross, Lord. And so I pray that he would see that and understand that and that he would fall in love with you, Lord, and that this, this process that he's going through right now would be part of that, that points him towards you, Lord. But ultimately, we just pray um, for your grace and your mercy to prevail, Lord, just as he is young and uh, obviously a, a, a really challenging heart situation, but pray that you would just, you'd speak to his heart, Lord, and pray for his parents that you would just give them um, just grace and and just patience and peace in the midst of this, Lord. Um, just such a, a, a horrible trying situation that they're in, that they would just have your peace um, and pray that you would, you would just fill them up, Lord, that you would encourage them in the middle of it and just to know that you're you're still good and you're still God and that you're going to bring good through this situation, Lord, even when we can't see it. And so we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for your call. And, you know, I know many of our listeners will be continuing to pray. So thank you for, for sharing that with us today. Yes, that, that is our goal. The more people that are praying, the better. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you so Thanks, much. Pam. And so much. yes, bye. 
All right, if you'd like to call us today, you can call 303-690-3000. Once again, that phone number is 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. And I'd like to go to Dave on line three. Dave, welcome to the program. How's it going, Pastor? Good. How are you doing? I'm great. Uh, I just had a, a few questions. Um, because I'm going through uh, the the Book of Acts right now, um, and and I'm going through I believe it's uh, 16, 17, 18 around there, um, talking about the church in Philippi and the church in uh, Ephesus uh, leaving Timothy there, uh, which I know he he later became the pastor of. So I just had a question of who were all of the the first pastors of all the the churches. You know, that's a great question, and uh, we don't know, for the most part, a, a lot of them. Um, really, what happened is is Paul and some of the other apostles traveled and planted these churches, and they set pastors over those churches. In fact, that's what Paul kind of challenged Timothy to do uh, when we read in First Timothy, that, that he left Timothy there to really oversee the establishing of that church. Um, and the interesting thing, you know, when we think of the early church and we think of the pastors of the churches that are there, we tend to think of our modern version of church where we have a, like a senior pastor of a church and the church gathers together on Sunday all together. Um, but that's not really the way that the early church worked, it's just out of necessity because they couldn't meet in large groups. And so the church in Ephesus, for example, um, it, for the most part, met all over the city of Ephesus in people's homes. And so the, each home would have a, a kind of a house church pastor, really. That's who Paul was charging Timothy to set up. The elders of the church were those who would be the pastor of that home church. And Timothy was kind of the the overseer of the church in the city of Ephesus. So if you wanted to say, like, who is the pastor in Ephesus? Timothy was the pastor there. Uh, in the church in Ephesus, but under him were these men that were overseeing smaller groups of people. And, you know, I'm sure at, at certain times they would all get together for things, but it wasn't necessarily the way that we tend to do church today, where you have, you know, a Sunday morning and you have several hundred people gathered together at once. They just, they didn't have the, the facilities and they didn't have the freedom to be able to do that. Um, and so the church in Ephesus had many pastors. There were pastors that were overseeing groups of, you know, between five and 20 people um, throughout the city. And they were all under Timothy, uh, who would lead that church. So th the other churches, though, um, we don't really know for the most part. You know, Paul planted the church uh, in Philippi. And, you know, he left somebody in charge there. And the, the crazy thing, actually, that I've always found about some of these churches that Paul planted is he would plant a church there. He would be there for about three weeks. And then he would set somebody up to be the pastor of that church that had only been a believer for about three weeks. Uh, and he would leave and go on to another city. And um, that's the way that he did it for a lot of those churches. And, you know, God still had his hand on it and he still led through those people. But, um but that, that's kind of the way it was set up. So unfortunately, I don't have, you know, a, a solid answer for which specific believer was a pastor of which specific church, but that's kind of the way that they did it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So so we don't know about uh, 
Titus or, or John Mark? Well, we know um, that Titus was left on the item, island of Crete. And so he was left there to oversee the church on that island. And so kind of much the same way that Timothy was, um, he was left there to oversee the church on the entire island there. And so um, he oversaw all the different pastors. He was actually left to set up pastors over each of the smaller churches that were there. And so, um, I mean, it, it wasn't really like this, but you might kind of think of it in the sense of like in kind of an organized uh, church like the, the, the Lutheran church or, or even the Episcopal church or the Anglican church where you might have a bishop that's in charge of an area and then you have pastors under that bishop that, that oversee different churches. It was kind of like that, but on a smaller scale because the, the churches were individual homes um, where they would have, you know, between five and 20 people meet. So Titus was the one that was left in charge there on the island uh, and Timothy was left in Ephesus. Uh, as far as John Mark goes, we don't really know. I, I know that he was with Peter uh, a lot. We also know that he was with Paul a lot. Um, and we don't really, you know, uh, we don't know if he was specifically given headship over a church uh, or a city mm -hmm. there. All right. Cool. Yeah, I think that answered my question. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Thank you for your call. Have a great day. All right, you're listening to Calvary Live, and uh, if you have any questions about the Bible, or maybe you have another question about church history, or um, how we got the Bible, or things like that, we'd love to talk with you about that. Um, and you can call us today at 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. And I'd like to go to Nathaniel on line one. Nathaniel, welcome to the program. Thank you, big fan, brother. Um, I'm a I'm a new believer. Um, about a year ago, September 6th, I walked into a Calvary and I was saved. I I was a drug addict, uh, very depressed, had like zero reason to live. And three weeks ago, I got married to a beautiful, amazing, godly woman. So, and right now I'm unemployed. So I guess my question, like biblically, and and she makes pretty good money. Uh, I've been staying at home. I I inherited the. A stepchild, a stepdaughter, and some furry kids, some dogs. So I've been kind of taking care of the house. So I guess I'm just kind of, I would like guidance and clarity on what maybe am I, um, is it biblical to be able for the man to stay home? I know usually in, you know, society, the man is the breadwinner and this, that, and the other. So I would like maybe just your opinion and maybe prayer on God giving me um, better clarity and guidance towards what I need to do. Yeah, thank you for your call. That's a great, great question, and I'm really glad that you asked that. So, um, so kind of here's where when we look at the Word of God, that the the husband is essentially supposed to fulfill the role of provider. Now, that doesn't mean that the husband has to make the most money. Um, it doesn't mean that the man needs to be the primary income necessarily, uh, or anything like that. But I think that the reason that we see that is because of the way that God has designed and wired men and women differently. Um, and so, so to, kind of to, to a little bit of an offshoot from your question, d does that mean that a woman needs to stay home with the kids? No, not at all. My wife does because she homeschools our children 
and that's that's something that the Lord has put very heavily upon her heart and my heart as well for her to be able to do that. Um, but it doesn't mean that th that the wife needs to stay home. It's it's okay for both, uh, you know, spouses to work, and it's and it's okay for your wife to make more money than you. That's absolutely. It's you know we we go with where the Lord has given us. Uh, but generally, the role of a, a husband, from the biblical perspective that we see, is that of the one who is providing for and caring for uh, his wife and his family. And so, what I would say, Nathaniel, is is not that you needed to have your wife stay home and you need to go work. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I would really pray about how the Lord might equip you for that role and what that looks like. Uh, it doesn't mean that you make something, some drastic, immediate change right now. But I think that the way that God has wired men and women is that men are wired to uh, accomplish tasks and goals and, and to see things done. And women are too, to a certain extent. But I think in relationship, women need to feel provided for and cared for in a certain way that, that men don't. And again, that doesn't mean that the, 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 your wife couldn't make more money than you. Um, but needing to feel that sense of covering from her husband, um, that sense of you are following the Lord and you're leading your household well and you're caring for her and looking out for her needs and you know um, overseeing the finances and, and doing those things. So, so I guess boiling all that down, what my advice to you would be, Nathaniel, is to really seek the Lord about what that looks like in your specific situation. Uh, because I can't speak to that specifically. I don't know, you know, with, um, it's your stepdaughter that you're staying home with right now. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, she goes to school, so I'll, I'll take her to school, pick her up, kind of make dinner sometimes, make mm -hmm. breakfast, just doing as much as I possibly can to help help around. Yeah, and that's great, and and absolutely should be doing those things for sure. So, and I don't know, um, I don't know whether that means that you have to go right out and get a job somewhere like right this minute. But I think that I would be praying about, you know, what would the Lord have you do to step up in that area, um, and and to be able to kind of really step into that role where your wife feels provided for by you, not just helped, because see, they don't. It's not necessarily that. Your wife wants to feel helped necessarily as much as provided for. And I don't mean financially exclusively, but really spiritually and emotionally covering her up and wrapping her up in that kind of protective uh, covering, if you will. And so, yeah, yeah, I would just pray about how you can step into that role in a different way. And so, like I said, that doesn't mean you go out right now and you get a job doing something specific right now or that she shouldn't be working. That's not what I'm saying. But I think that that is, that is the biblical role that God has given a husband in the home. And so I would just look for how you can start to step into that. Yeah, very awesome. Thank you. Uh, maybe you could just pray, for, or pray with me for that. That'd be awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Lord, I just uh, I thank you for Nathaniel, Lord. I thank you for the way that you have saved him and redeemed him and what an awesome work you've done. Lord, praise you for a year of looking at his life and 
being a believer and belonging to you, Lord, and the way that you've blessed him in that and you've given him a family in that time and just what, what an amazing radical transformation he's seen in his life, Lord. And he wants to follow you and he wants to serve you and he wants to honor you and what a blessing that is. So I just pray that you would honor his desire. I pray that you would show him what you would have him do uh, to step into that protector role in his house, that covering role in his house to really love and provide for his family. And so we just lift them up to you and pray for your provision over over them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you, bro. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. All right, you were listening to Calvary Live. We're coming up on the break, so I'm not going to take another call until afterwards. So if you're holding on, please hold on just for a couple more minutes. I uh, would love to talk with you. If you're not on the line yet, you can call us at 303-690-3000. Once again, that number is 303-690-3000. Or you can text 720-336-0897. Hold on just a minute. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Call us with your questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus right now at 303-690-3000. Welcome back from the break. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nate Morris from Calvary Chapel, Vale Valley in Colorado, taking your calls and your questions today. And uh, we are broadcasting live up and down the front range of Colorado from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins, Lakewood, Denver, Cheyenne, Wyoming, also broadcasting on Hope FM uh, in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Maryland. And would love to uh, attempt to answer your questions today about the Bible, about God, about life. Um, would love to pray with you if you have requests that you'd like to bring before the Lord, we'd love to pray together about those. And uh, the number that you can call if you'd like to call in is 303-690-3000. Once again, that phone number is 303-690-3000. Or you can text 720-336-0897. Once again, that phone number is 720-336-0897. I'd like to go to Devante on line two. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks. Um, basically, my question is today, I do play competitive ice hockey. Um, I'm 17. Just kind of give you a general specification. Um, okay. My question is, where does, because obviously, I mean, hockey's physical. Like, where does blowing some up in the corner, like all the competitive trash talk, where does that conflict with, like, the Bible? Because obviously you're not supposed to cuss people out, and obviously words fly on the ice and stuff, and tensions rise. So I'm wondering, how do you be a Christian, like, aggressive player? Like, is that, like, how does that work? Yeah, that's a great question. I really appreciate your question. And, you know, um, as a Christian, it's absolutely okay to, to play in competitive sports for sure. Um, and, and we see actually many analogies. Paul the Apostle uses many analogies of sports when he's talking about living out the Christian life, that we should compete 
as an athlete would compete according to the rules and some of those things. Uh, and the reason that Paul used that as an analogy is because he knew that the people he was writing to would understand that from either participating in or observing sports. And so, um, so there's nothing wrong with being competitive. There's nothing wrong with being sporting, with, uh, with being a fierce competitor in sports. But where we do need to draw the line as Christians is the way that we treat people in that. And so uh, just as you said, we shouldn't be cussing people out, things like that. You know, it says in Ephesians 4, verse 29, that we shouldn't let any unwholesome word come out of our mouth, but only that's which good for edification in the need of the moment, um, so that it gives grace to the hearers, you know. So I think trash talk is kind of out, you know. Um, and I think, honestly, when I think of Christian competitors and being an example, I think uh, I just, my mind automatically goes to Tim Tebow, you know. And Tim Tebow is a fierce competitor. And I, I don't know, do you remember when he played for the Broncos? I don't know. That yep, was, I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he like, he's not the best football player, to be honest, but he is such a fierce competitor that he still got things done. You know, he really was able to accomplish a lot because he was all in going for it big time. I mean, I, I don't think anybody could fault, could say that he was not a fierce competitor. And yet he was so kind, even to his opponents as he faced them. Uh, it was like, there was one play, there was a, a game where he had a mic on, you know how they do the mic'd up thing on the, the NFL guys sometimes? There was yeah, one game yep. where he had a, a mic on, and you can actually Google this and watch it, and he got totally, I think he got totally taken out by J.J. Watt, you know, that the, the defensive lineman, and, and he got up and he says, oh man, nice play, J.J., you know, like, and I mean, he just got taken out, got sacked, you know, and he got up from that play and said, nice play, J.J., you know, and he got right back into the competition, and I think for me, I would look to him as an example of what it looks like to be a, a really solid example as a Christian athlete, a Christian competitor, um, to be highly competitive and really um, fierce in competition, and yet really to honor the Lord in that and to um, when you're dealing with your, with your uh, fellow athletes to treat them well, you know. Um, you can totally, you know, you could, you could be playing defensive light, linemen and, and take out that quarterback as hard as you could possibly, possibly could, and then, you know, give him a hand up when you're done, you know. Um, I, I think that's really the attitude that we have towards the people is the key. So, you know, we can be super competitive as it comes to the game, but it's the attitude that we have towards the people that's key, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes, that, yeah, that makes perfect sense, actually. Cool. That's great. So you play hockey, you were saying? I do. Yep. Okay, cool. Yeah. And hockey is a very competitive game. I know. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think there's aspects of hockey that as a, as a Christian, I wouldn't want to get involved in, in terms of like, you know, oftentimes you get into fist fights and stuff on the ice <laughs> and some of those things, yep. you know, I try to stay away from those types of things, but you can still be extremely competitive in, in hockey and do that. So, um, if, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, that does. Actually, I really appreciate that. Sure, no problem. Thanks for your call. Yep, thank you. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. God bless. All right, you're listening to Calvary Live. You can call us today at 303-690-3000. Once again, that phone number is 303-690-3000. 
or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, that phone number to text is 720-336-0897. And I'd like to go to Eldon on line one. Eldon, welcome to the program. Yeah, hi. How are you doing? Um, fine, thank you. I'd like to um, ask a question about uh, the discussion you had with a young man that was inquiring about being the breadwinner of his household. Sure. Uh, well, when I search the scriptures, it seems to me that the, the salient uh, calling is to be the king and priest of your household in a spiritual sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of men realize or have the sense or the innate understanding that they probably need to bring home the bread, so to speak. But it seems like there seems to be a, a just kind of a general lack of understanding of the fact that the man is really supposed to be bold in bringing Christ into the household. Um, I would think that if, if uh, a man was fulfilling that role, that the rest of it would kind of fall in place. On the other hand, if he's filling the role of being the primary breadwinner, that doesn't necessarily uh, follow. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think the um, the the you can be a breadwinner and be gone all the time as well. And I think that's that's partially why I was careful not to use the the the, the term breadwinner in a sense because I think that from a from a, a standpoint of feeling the need and the 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 calling really as a as a husband to provide doesn't mean that the most important thing you can do is to financially provide for your family it's actually very much not the most important thing that you can do um, being the really the shepherd of your home is the most important thing um, but it but it does you know follow from that that you would uh, provide financially for your home and really cover just in the way that you would cover spiritually and emotionally also financially as well and we do see you know in first timothy 5 it talks about if any man doesn't provide for his own especially those of his household he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever um you know so there there is that call from scripture for the, the husband to be that financial provider why would you assume that's talking about finances uh, because it says specifically f- about you know provision right there in First Timothy five. That's what it's talking about. Yeah, uh, but see, but my point is that I think provision is providing um, an empty vessel through which Christ can flow to your family, not necessarily providing uh, dollars and cents. Yeah, and and I would agree with you in the sense, but that that verse, just like all scripture, we need to take it in the context, and the context in that whole section of First Timothy is on financial provision for individuals, and so. That, Where do, can you give me the context? Yeah, First Timothy chapter five. I know, but can you get can you give me the surrounding context that suggests yeah. that that's a, a absolutely a financial calling? Yeah, absolutely. In in verse eight, it, it says, "If anyone does not provide for his own." And especially those of the, his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And then it goes on in verse 9 and says, Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number unless she has been the wife of one man. And so the, the idea, what this is talking about, 
in this whole section, excuse me, what's talking about in this whole section here is providing financially for widows, providing financially for those who are in need, and it, it's saying specifically about work providing for your family in that context. And so um, that in verse eight, if we pull that out and try to make it a spiritual provision, which we are to provide spiritually, but that's not what that verse is talking about, if that makes sense. Uh, okay. I appreciate okay. your time. Yeah, thank you for your call. Thank you, bye. Bye. All right, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nate Morris taking your calls and your questions today. You can call us at 303-690-3000. Once again, that phone number is 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, that phone number is 720-336-0897. And uh, there's a lot of text questions that I'm seeing, but I've still got people on the line. So if you're not getting your question answered on the text line, uh, I'd encourage you to call in on the on the call-in line because I always take those ones first. So that's 303-690-3000. I'd like to go to Caesar on line three. Caesar, welcome to the program. How are you doing, Pastor? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. Thank God. My question is, when I was uh, about 10 years old, I was about 13 years old, I was at a church, and I heard a pastor ask a question to the congregation. And this question was, who would go to heaven? A person who is saved, or has Jesus Christ as a Savior, right? But that lives in sin, continually lives in sin. Uh, a, a different person that ain't saved, but does, but does not commit sin. Which one would go to heaven? And so I just kind of, I don't know, I just kind of like, just thinking about that, you know, all, all these years and stuff, and I just thought I'd call and ask you, Pastor, you know what I mean, to see which one would go to heaven, you know? The person that is saved, but he continues to sin, or a person that's not saved and he does not sin, you know? I, yeah. know, it's, I know it's impossible because the Word of God says that we are all sinners, right? But I'm right. just stressing, you know, I mean, I just wanted to get your point of view on that. Yeah, so that's a great question. I really appreciate your call, Caesar. Um, can you turn your radio down just a little bit? It's kind of feeding back yeah. there. Cool, thank you. Um, yeah, so, you know, I'd start by saying um, that the Scripture tells us that that which does not come from faith is sin. And so the reality is, if, if a person is not a believer, they are completely wrapped up in sin. Um, so so there, it's impossible for there to be someone who hasn't received salvation, who hasn't placed their trust in Jesus, to not sin. So, so, so the question is a little bit uh, something that we just really couldn't answer because it's not a situation that could happen. Because if someone's not a believer, they are completely wrapped up in their sin just, just because what they're doing does not come from faith. Uh, but on the flip side, what I would say that, you know, when he talks about a believer who's living their life uh, wrapped up in sin, 
I think that we have to come back to what it says in Scripture about is the qualification to be saved. And it says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, or those who believe in Jesus Christ. You know, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So the only thing that's required for us to be saved is to believe in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. So that person would go to heaven. But here's what I would give the qualification, Caesar, is that a person who has actually believed in what Jesus did on the cross, they're gonna, their life's going to change. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Of course, we all still sin. I mean, I still sin. We mess up. We do things that we shouldn't do. Sometimes we even do them repeatedly. But... Um, a, a person who has put their trust in Jesus Christ, they receive the Holy Spirit and their life will begin to change. And if their life doesn't change at all, then I would question whether they've actually put their faith in Jesus, if that makes sense. Yes, it sure does. It sure does. Yeah, I would just want to, you know, I, I kind of, all these years, I was just like, I would think about that. And I was like, whoa. But I understand that, you know, that once we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and He transforms us. Like me, I was hooked on drugs, you know, I was hooked on cocaine rock, smoking that, you know what I mean? And I would yeah. crave it. But mm -hmm. once I, I accept the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and renews me. And of course, like the scripture says, new creation we are, right? So He takes those cravings away and all that, you know what I mean? And so it's like you said, it's got to come from, from, from that person to put their trust in Jesus, and Jesus will change them and all that. But I was just wanted to ask that question to see about that, because I've always been debating on that all these years, Pastor. Yeah, no, that's a good question, you know, and I think I think it really is that what, you know, what what must a person do to be saved? And it's really believe on the name of the Lord Jesus. That's, you know, there was the, the when Paul and Silas were in prison in Philippi, and the, jail, the, the earthquake happened, and they were set free, and the jailer came into them, and he said, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And that's really, that's what it is. So if a person doesn't believe, then they can't be saved because they haven't believed and, and they're in their sin. So that's a great question. Thank you for your call, Caesar. God bless you, Pastor. Bye-bye. Yeah, you too. God bless. Bye. All right, we've got about 12 minutes left on the program. If you haven't gotten your question in yet, I'd encourage you to call right now. You can call us at 303-690-3000. Once again, that phone number is 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. I'd like to go to Katie on line one. Katie, welcome to the program. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm all right. And yourself? I'm doing great. Thanks. Great. Um, so my question, I have a question. It was, um, I have, my children are older, they're not infants, and I was wanting to um, dedicate them at church. Um, my son is one and a half, and my daughter is 10. Um, I still feel like, okay, I could dedicate my son. I think that'd be okay. But my daughter, she's 10. She's, she could you know, choose to be baptized or not. Mm -hmm. And so I was wondering, is it <laughs> is it kind of too late to dedicate her? What what should I do to talk about it with her if if it isn't too late to dedicate her? If that yeah, makes sense? 
I totally, yeah, it totally makes sense. You know, and I think here's here's what I, I, I like to remind parents at our church when we're going to dedicate children is really um, we kind of do child dedication as a, an alternative to infant baptism because we believe that a baptism is reserved for someone who is able to state that they believe in Jesus Christ, you know. Um, and so dedication, really what we're doing when we dedicate our, our kids to the Lord is we are dedicating ourselves to raising our kids in the Lord, if that makes sense. And so um, when we do a dedication, it's not so much that we are, that it's about the child as it is about the parents. And I mean, it is about our children for sure. And, you know, uh, for my kids, when we've dedicated all my kids, we've dressed them up nice and they got cute little pictures and all that stuff, you know, and they got their own little Bible and whatnot. But really the, the, the point of it is to dedicating ourselves to committing them to the Lord. And so it's a commitment to say, you know, I'm going to make sure that my kids grow up in the church. I'm going to make sure that they mm -hmm. grow up learning about Jesus. And so I would say that it's absolutely appropriate for you to dedicate both of your children if you'd like to. I would do it at the same time so it's not awkward, you know, for, for your daughter yeah. who's older. Yeah. But just say, just, you know, you go to your church and say, you know, we'd like to dedicate our kids to the Lord and we'd like to um, do this as a family. And I think that's great. I think that's a great thing to do. I would say if your daughter is, um, you know, it sounds like she's uh, probably of age and uh, of the ability to understand what it means to be saved. Um, mm -hmm. I would say that you could talk to her about baptism and see if that's something that she'd be interested in doing. Um, you know, if she's placed her trust and faith in Jesus, that that's something that she could do. Um, I, I would have that conversation with her as well. Uh, and maybe that's a part of the conversation about dedication. You know, maybe it's a matter of she wants to be baptized because she believes and she wants to see, she wants to, to take that step of faith and maybe that's a, a separate thing that you do, but, but you could ac absolutely do kind of a family dedication together for that. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah, sure. No problem. No problem. You have a great day. Thanks for your call. You too. Thank you. Bye. All right. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nate Morris. If you'd like to call in with a question or a prayer request, you can do so by calling us at 303-690-3000 or texting 720-336-0897. Once again, that's 303-690-3000, or text at 720-336-0897. I'd like to go to Lonnie, uh, Donnie, I'm sorry, Donnie on line two. Welcome to the program. Hi, I God bless you, Pastor. How are you doing today? Not so bad, how about yourself? Good, thanks. My question is about baptism. Um, when I was 15 years old, I got baptized at a church, and um, I feel like they didn't take it as serious as uh, other churches would have taken it. Um, they gave us a small class, and it was just brief of what it meant to be baptized. Um, they, they baptized us in the Trinity, but, uh, but the thing is that after the, the people that were in the classroom got baptized, uh, I felt like they got excited, and they started asking, who else wants to get baptized? And there was a couple people that raised their hand, and they just, uh, well, I know a few of them um, had just accepted Christ, and they just got baptized without knowing exactly what it meant to be baptized. Would mm -hmm. I have to get baptized again, or uh, what, what, what would happen? 
Well, you know, um, baptism is it's what one of what we call the sacraments that were instituted by the Lord. And what that is, is it's a symbol is what baptism is. It's a public symbol of our faith. And so um, I, I think if, if you're feeling led to get baptized again, because maybe you just weren't in a mental state to really make that decision before in the same way that you feel it now, you absolutely could get baptized again. But I, it's not like a necessity that you would do that. Um, you know, we see Philip when he met the Ethiopian eunuch on the road. He evangelized to him, and, and you know, the, the, that Ethiopian eunuch became a believer. And right as he became a believer, he said, what's preventing me from getting baptized right now? There's some water right over there. Let's go do it. And Philip went and baptized him right then and there. So, um, you know, honestly, actually, in the New Testament, baptism usually was pretty much right at the same time that you accepted Christ was generally how they did that. Um, not that that's what you have to do, but that was kind of what they did back then. And so uh, it, is it wrong to get baptized right after you become a believer? Absolutely not. Um, I, I think really what baptism comes down to is being in that state of saying, you know what, I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ, and I want to identify with that, with him publicly through the act of baptism. And so anybody that's in that state of mind and wants to do that is welcome to be baptized, I think. So you, you could certainly get baptized again. You know, for me, I was originally baptized when I was nine years old and I knew what it meant and I believed in Jesus. And so I was baptized. But then, you know, I kind of walked away from the Lord through my junior high and high school years. And when I was in college, I was... Uh, at this place where they were they were doing a baptism and the Lord really stirred my, my heart and said, I want you to go get baptized. And so I did. And uh, it was a really powerful experience for me because it was really in that newness of my walk with the Lord at that time, it was publicly identifying with him and saying, I belong to Jesus. So um, there's nothing in scripture that prevents you from doing it more than once. Um, but there's also nothing that prevents somebody that really just accepted Christ from going and doing it right then and there either, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, the reason for my question is that um, maybe because uh, there's, there's a few people that were there when I got baptized. And uh, I don't know if it's because of being religious or what, um, or what's going on. They say, uh, they mention like, oh, no, you have to get baptized again because you weren't properly baptized. And I don't know, and I'll be honest with you, that's one of the things that's been holding me back to actually being an active member in church. Mm -hmm. No, anybody that says that your baptism wasn't done properly or something like that, I would, there's, there's a few Christ, Christian, I say that in quotes, uh, groups that, that say that there's a certain way you have to be baptized or there's a certain way that they have to say that you're baptized. There's, there's a group that will say you have to be baptized in the name of Jesus only. Um, there's groups that say that there's you. it only counts if you're baptized in this church. I would stay away from anybody that says something like that. Um, those are generally statements that come from um, some cultish groups. And so, uh, you know, if it was real for you when you did it, then it was real and you don't have to do it again. You're welcome to if you'd like to. But, um, but anybody that says, oh, because it wasn't done this way or because it wasn't done that way, that's not that's not of the Lord. Okay, no, yeah, I mean that's this has been bugging me for more than just a couple of years, and it's just I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it slowed me down in my relationship with Christ, and it's just yeah. Okay, don't let those don't let those people that say stuff like that 
get get in your head and you know honestly i i would um if, if people are saying that to you saying your baptism didn't count because of this or that uh, i i would i would challenge them to show you in the scriptures where that is because that's not what we see in the in the scripture uh, in fact you know it says it says in matthew chapter 28 that we baptize in the name of the father and the son of the holy spirit um, it also says you know that that baptism is a symbol of our belonging to jesus christ it, it's it's something that um, many people get off on weird little doctrines about this baptism thing so um, so I, I, I would not question that. And if you feel like you want to be baptized again, absolutely do it. But don't let somebody, you know, make you question your standing with the church because of that. Oh, okay. Thank you, Pastor. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Have a great day. You as well. God bless. God bless. Uh, we have just a couple minutes left, so I want to go to Luz on line three. Luz, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. So I guess my question is, so I recently started getting a lot closer to Jesus, <clears throat> and I believe that I'm that I am going to be saved and I will go to heaven. But so just um, on Friday, I went. I was on an airplane and I was traveling, and um, suddenly the airplane started really shaking. And my sister was right next to me, and she was just like, "Oh my God, this is so scary! I think this plane is going to crash!" And then she started freaking out. So then um, I started freaking out because it seemed so real and the airplane started doing really funny things. And at that moment, there was a moment where for one second I was just terrified, terrified to die. And then I was just like, why was I scared if I believe that I'm going to go to heaven? So I guess my question is, is I just want to know if that's normal. I mean, if I'm just, if, if I wasn't supposed to get scared like 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 we both did. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that's totally normal. Um, I think th there's a reason that we fear death, and that's because death isn't natural. I know that sounds funny because death happens to all of us, but that's a result of the fall. Um, death is not an, a part of God's creation. He didn't create us to die. He created us for life. And so when we face death, it's a, it's a scary thing. But what we want to do is turn that fear into faith and believe in Jesus even in that moment. And so that's totally natural. Don't worry about it. But next time when you're faced with that opportunity, just remember in who you believed. And we're up at the end of the show, so I'm going to have to cut it off there. Uh, but thank you for your call. And uh, you guys, thanks for listening. Have a great day. God bless. Tune in tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be sure to tell a friend about Grace FM.